listening to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Hey girl, hey, and welcome to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life podcast. As we're still kind of finding our groove in 2020, something I noticed about myself is I think I've finally gotten comfortable with not automatically wanting to introduce myself as Julie Graham, wife and boy mom. It's like that season has officially passed and I'm finding my new my new normal, who I am. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you're still a boy mom, Julie, just true. in case you forgot that one. <laughs> um, but we all find that to be true, that there are different seasons in life and sometimes our circumstances change. Sometimes we decide we want to change. And by the way, I'm Darlene Brock and I've had a lot of changes in life. Um, and I think it's it's kind of challenging because in them, your self-worth could be questioned and you could wonder about life. One of the recurring themes we've noticed in our over four years of the Grit and Grace Project online magazine for strong women and those who want to be, see what I did there? That was um, good. And the two plus years of this Grit and Grace Life podcast, the recurring question we see over and over asked in various different ways is, who am I? Is what I'm doing right now in this season of my life, does it matter? Do I find my self-worth and my value in the roles that I have, the titles that I carry, and the things that I do? Do you find that that's a question women are asking? Oh, they all are. And we've decided today to bring in a special guest, actually a really good friend of ours, Julie. You want to tell the audience a little bit about her? Absolutely. We want to invite you to get to know one of our friends who you may recognize already because she is a writer and then became a team member here at the Grit and Grace Project. But first, she was a food blogger. She's the creator of Beauty from Burnt Toast. She spent some time in a flourishing career. She's a wife and a mom of three. She is our very own Megan Dawson. Normally, we do speak with Megan every week at our team meetings, actually more than every week, several times a week, Mm -hmm. but this week we're really happy to bring her from the website to our podcast to join us at This Grit and Grace Life. Welcome, Megan. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, It's interesting to be on this side of the business, but I love it. I'm so excited to be here. Hopefully some of our friends already know you from your writings at the Grit and Grace Project and maybe even from following us on social media. You've done a couple Instagram takeovers for us. And part of the reason we love you so much is your spunky, real talk personality. And so I know our friends are going to enjoy getting to know you a little bit more and even seeing some of their own experience in your experience. No pressure to bring the spunk, Julie, but okay. (laughs) You got this. Well, I mean, we did a lead in on your various roles in life and all the things that you've accomplished, but Megan, can you give us a little backstory on what started you down the road of career and pursuing the things that I assume you wanted to pursue at that time in life? Kind of give us a little bit of background on that. Well, you would assume, right? Um, But gosh, that's not really how it unfolded in my life. And I, hindsight is always twenty twenty. I kind of wish that it had been, but when I look back, I don't really see myself as a kid or a young adult who was laser focused on what I wanted to do. I don't think I really knew. I definitely didn't know who I was. 
so I wasn't necessarily sure what I wanted to be, which I think you have to know one in order to know the other, or at least choose wisely. Um, and for me, because I was so, and we can talk about this, I'm sure we'll get into this. I was so needy for feedback about who I was that I ended up just falling into careers and jobs because people told me I was good at them. And so I would go down that path. I had always worked. And if I got positive feedback and people said, oh, you're really good at this, I would somehow then assume that I was meant to do that. And that's what I should be doing. But what I've learned, I guess, over the years is that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you should be doing that or that you're meant to be doing that. It simply means you're good at it. Um, and I followed a lot of pigeonholes to get down that path because people told me I was good. Okay. What I find ironic in that is I know you succeeded. You were successful in a career path, but you're saying you were good at it, but it wasn't necessarily what you should do. I wonder if a lot of women find themselves at this place where they can succeed at something, but maybe it's not right. I think a lot of people do. Um, and I think that women are susceptible to going down those paths because I think we do like to hear that positive feedback, especially if you're not hearing it in other avenues of your life or if you have a little bit of a shaky foundation about who you are. If you're told you're good, you're good at this, you could very well run with something that maybe isn't the path you're supposed to be on. So I think it's not unique. I don't hold my story as this big, unique story, but I think that in real time, I watched this unfold in my life. I once had a supervisor at my job say, you're just such a utility player. I feel like we could put you in any role in this company and you do well. And I'm sure I would have because they would have told me I was doing well. So I would have kept going with it just to get that feedback. So I have a question. I'm hearing you talk about you know, a, a problem that I can identify with myself, tell me I'm good at something. I will even try harder to do better so that you'll continue to like me because I need you to like me in order to feel good about myself. Is that basically oh, yes, what you're saying? People pleaser. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Now for you though, are you saying people in your life in just your workplace or was it your parents? Was it your significant other? Were they also kind of a part of pushing you into maybe that first career path you took? Or was it, you know, got that first job out of college and then kind of just went from there wherever the waters took you? A, a little bit of both, maybe. I, and I don't know how this happened, but every job that I've ever had has been one of those, I got it because I knew somebody that knew somebody or I fell into it very randomly. My first job that was a real job. Um, I started in college selling designer wedding gowns, Wow! which was only, I mean, I went wedding dress shopping with a friend and the person who was helping us said, oh, you have great style. Would you want to work here? And if that person knew me now in my t-shirt and jeans, they'd be like, oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> but your signature style, the gray t-shirt is so fabulous. Um, that is true. Um, <laughs> But I, I worked all through college. And then after college, 
I moved up to New York and started selling wedding gowns with designers. And that segued into working for Saks Fifth Avenue and kind of traveling around the country with my husband, working at different Saks Fifth Avenues and taking a little bit of time off to be a stay-at-home mom. And then the next job I got was through a friend. So everything that happened kind of unfolded. I didn't necessarily pursue it. I wouldn't say that my husband was extremely supportive of me working once we had kids. Um, but I really wanted to make a name for myself, I think. I really wanted to contribute, and I did not feel like I was contributing anything. All right, Megan, you said you went to college. I mean, I have publicly said I graduated from high school and went to the school of life. And mm-hmm. that's what I did. I thought college was just boring, so I didn't go. But you did. You, you got a mm-hmm. degree, I assume. Um, what was it in? Psychology, of all things. Oh, okay. Well, that's not really relevant to selling wedding gowns, I would not think. Or was it? You know, you would think it would not be. But everything that I've always succeeded with, selling wedding gowns, working in human resources, recruiting, even what I do today with Grit and Grace, it's all about relationships and working with people and understanding people. And so even though I didn't pursue higher education and go for my master's or become a counselor, I still feel like I use it. I think my parents would probably argue, maybe not as much as we would have liked for that money. But <laughs> I think a lot of parents I still say do that. Think I use it. That's funny. I was actually going to ask that question because I know something, an insecurity I have felt over the years is I went to school for marketing. And when I graduated with my marketing degree, I took a secretary job at the church I had been a part of because in that season of my life, my faith and growing in my faith was the most important thing to me. So I was offered a job doing that and it did not use my degree. It took until I started working for Grit and Grace to really feel like I was doing anything that kind of fell in line with my degree. And I I know there were seasons where I felt insignificant because I had spent all that time and money at school and now I was doing something different and I feared what people thought of me. And I had conversations even with my late husband about not using my degree. And I think that's something that women struggle with, whether I went to school or didn't go to school. And am I doing the thing I said I was going to do or my parents want me to do or my husband wants me to do. So I, I think that's true, Julie. I remember when I was working at the bridal salon and it was retail, it was retail. And I had this degree in psychology, but I was working retail and some people from my high school came in and they were shopping and I hid, I hid because I was ashamed. I felt like they would judge what I was doing because it wasn't using my degree. It wasn't in business. It was retail. I think it might've even been like Black Friday or the day after Thanksgiving a day when everyone else was off. Mm. And I remember feeling the same exact way. And I think the majority of people don't end up doing what they set out to do when they were 18 years old. Mm. So we can maybe get rid of some of that shame because our path isn't always going to take a linear form. We're going to choose different paths based on how we grow. Well, and I would even take that a step further. I don't think at 18 or 21 or 25 or even 30 sometimes, you understand all of your gifts, your abilities, 
and who you are capable of becoming. So the evolution of what we do from where we began, whether we've fallen into it like you have because of natural ability and succeed there, or whether we're purposeful and say, I'm getting, I've gotten this degree, so I am doing this job because somebody paid for it, and then discover that that wasn't good either. That's not really who I am or what I want to become. I would say we're here to encourage our listeners that it's good to change. Mm. There's nothing wrong with change. You don't have to ever stay stuck. And in fact, you shouldn't because there's lots of life after that initial thing that you did. Absolutely. I think one of the things we talked about at the Grit and Grace Project a lot is one of the unique parts of being a woman is the fact that our life does go through so many different seasons of change. And one of the biggest seasons of change is when you go from, you know, whether you're a wife or single career woman, whether you choose to have children or you you adopt or you have children, now you have to decide, am I going to work or am I going to be at home and raise my babies or am I going to find some combination of the two? Was that something that you faced and that a decision you had to make? And, and what was that decision making like for you, Megan? Uh, I have done all of the above. Just so you know, I have done stay at home. I have worked full time. I've worked part time. And each season brings, I think, a different decision to be made. When my baby's were very young, it was the decision of my husband worked these long hours. We lived away from home and we had no help. So it was, I guess you could say a no brainer because he was the main breadwinner and I stayed home. And I think I struggled with feeling insignificant as a stay at home mom, as if I wasn't contributing to the family. I think that a lot of women feel that way when they're just, you know, changing diapers, feeding a child, getting a child to bed, getting a child back up, doing it all over again. House is a mess. Got to fix the house. Got to do this. Got to do that. You start feeling like what you do doesn't matter. And I think the, you know, we want to make sure that you know it does matter. It does matter. Whatever season you're in and whatever work you're doing, it is not a career path that means you're working. It is whatever job you're fulfilling, whether it is specifically a motherhood job and that's your your focus and attention and everything, your world is there, or whether it is outside of the home or a combination. We really want you to know that that matters, that that is where you're supposed to be at that place in time. But that doesn't mean you stay there either. And I don't think you did, Megan. I think you made a change after that, correct? Yes. Um, as my kids got older, they went to preschool. Um, I think I started working when they were all in preschool. And I got a part-time job once again through a friend. I, I don't know how these things always happen with me. I don't know how. I just don't ever really formally apply. I just get a job. But mm -hmm. so <laughs> I started working part-time and it was one of those things to circle back to that people-pleasing problem that I have. I was significantly missing as a stay-at-home mom. And I don't think that's unique. Your kids don't thank you every day and tell you you're a great mom for changing their diapers. And 
they don't say, thank you for that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You're the best. Mm -hmm. And I did not believe in myself enough to not need that feedback. So I started working for this company, I think partly out of that insecurity, partly to contribute, partly to make ends meet. And it was a great company that was very good at positive reinforcement. So they told me I was great. I was doing a good job. I was fabulous. And it became my everything. And by everything, I mean everything. And I was becoming more and more successful there. I went from part-time to working in the office, which was an hour commute, so that was not easy, to full-time, to management, to travel. And I was succeeding there, whereas meanwhile, everything else was falling apart. My marriage, my home life, my sense of self, I would argue and win the argument that my moral fortitude was falling apart as well. So I don't necessarily think that has to happen, but for me, it did. It became everything because I needed that feedback. So I went back to work for sure. As I'm listening to you, Megan, it's like it's building and I can just, I can see that there was, there was a crash coming or there was a fire starting. Um, and, and it sounds like you came to a point where a decision had to be made. And you know what? We've all been there. Um, you know, whether or not I'm corporate America, Julie, or I'm stay at home mom, Julie, where I feel inadequate and bored in my life, or my family needs to move cross country and I have to leave my job because my husband is starting a new job. We're all going to face seasons where something puts us in a position where we've got to go a different direction. It sounds like you were heading in that direction. Am I right? Oh, for sure. (laughs) I think that's a huge understatement. I definitely got to a point where it was stay doing what you're doing, which is unhealthy and destructive on a lot of levels, even though I loved my job. And once again, it was safe for me because I was being told I was good and I had made my identity around that. Or, I mean, you said it, light light a match and burn that life to the ground and start new to try and save everything that I loved the most. So obviously I chose the latter, which I think was the right choice. But um, I would say at the time I was really far away from God because I was so confused. But looking back now, he was still at work. I can just see it. I can see his hand all over it. He was at work trying to guide me where I was supposed to be all along. And I was too stubborn to admit that. So you decided to leave the corporate world and go back home to care for your family. How did they react to that, Megan? Because, you know, you get lots of opinions from the corporate world. Well, you get lots of opinions from your family, too. Um, so was that a positive within the household? Uh, did you find that they were supporting it? Oh gosh. Yes. Mm -hmm. My kids were overjoyed. (laughs) They had their mom back. I stopped working right before school let out for summer. So their options were either go to a miserable summer day camp that they didn't want to go to or be shuffled around all over 
or be with me. And when they found out they were going to be with me, they were so excited and not just me, but an undistracted me, someone who could focus solely on them. I would say for my husband and I, I had a lot of work to do at that time to kind of prove that I was all in and a lot of forgiveness to seek both from him, but also for, for myself or myself. And I had some reparations to make, but it was all across the board for our family, the healthiest move that could have been made. Do you have any regrets? For leaving? Mm-hmm. No. I regret how I left. I regret that I hurt people in order to become the person I needed to be, the wife and the mom and the woman, my path wasn't pretty. It wasn't clean. And I hurt people and I regret that. And I really regret that I didn't listen to my gut sooner. I think, you know, when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, it feels like sticking a round peg in a square hole. And I feel like sometimes that's God tapping you on the shoulder, telling you this isn't working. It's not just that it's hard. It's that it's not what you're supposed to be doing. And I knew for a while, but I was stubborn and I regret that I didn't listen sooner. I would have saved everybody a lot of hurt. What was the transition like for you? So I hear you saying your family was so excited that you were leaving work to come home and be with them. Were you feeling the same way or was that hard for you? Ooh. <laughs> that was the hardest time of my life. Um, remember, I had built my identity around that job, around who I was yeah. at that job. And so not only did I lose a job and walk away from something I did from nine to five, I walked away from something I thought I was. So I really took that summer to strip my life down to the bare minimum. I had to say goodbye or at least see you later to a lot of people in my life who were really supportive, but who I was using as guideposts to who I was. And I really took my life down to a very small circle, my family and God. And when I think back on that summer, I think of parenting my kids and taking them to lots of fun places that they otherwise didn't have the opportunity to do. How old were they at this point? Just for context. Uh, fifth grade, third grade and first grade going into that. Um, but then I also, I just remember hours spent on my back patio with my Bible and my journal and just hours trying to figure out who I was. So it was extremely painful and really lonely, but I think when you've been lost for so long, the only thing you can do is strip away all the excess to find your way back home. And so that's what I had to do. What's so interesting is I can't help but think about 
your experience of, you know, loving being career driven and just then getting to a place where you knew you had to come home. But I'm thinking about the woman who is listening to this, who is at home and knows in her gut that she's actually being called to go pursue a career or a dream or a side thing or something. And, and so as women, our lives can be so different and yet so similar at the same time. And so I just want to speak to the woman who's kind of hearing the flip side of this, that there is no one formula of what a godly grit and grace woman, wife, mother, career, you know, centered person looks like. But I, I love that, Megan, you said, you know, in your gut what you're supposed to be doing. And it's like, we just need to be able to know who we are and what we're being called to and then pursue that step-by-step. So I know Julie's road was one road. Yours obviously was another. Mine, you know, I never quit working, Mm -hmm. ever quit working. I never will. I never will. (laughs) As much as Dan wants you to. Yeah, exactly. And he's, bless his heart, he's holding onto my ankles as I'm running forward. Um, But, you know, for me and raising my kids, I was able to merge them together. But that was also And there were times that was guilt-ridden too. And I think, like Julie said, every road can be different. Every path, whether you're a stay-at-home mom, you're a hybrid, you work full-time. For me, I worked full-time and then some, and my kids went with me when they could, you know. So I, I really want to encourage women that through this conversation, figure out who you are figure out your worth, and then you'll find the right path. And I know now, of course, you work with us, Megan, but yes. you also have your food blog. So what you, you got through this season, you got more comfortable with yourself and your relationship with the Lord, and then went, I kind of want to do something else. Is that right? Yes, but it's funny because... When I think about that, I'm pretty sure I've romanticized what actually happened (laughs) with my overactive imagination. But we were getting to the point where school was starting back up and I had always done something and I couldn't imagine not having something for the eight hours that my kids were at school. Once again, this is seasons. This isn't the same for everybody my kids are older and they were in school. So I had these hours and I half-heartedly applied for a few jobs, other jobs in the corporate world. And I was, I guess, trigger shy because I knew my tendencies and I was afraid to go back down that path. I wasn't quite sure-footed enough yet. And I was sitting on my patio, just praying about it. And I swear God spoke into me at that moment that I should do a food blog, which I laugh at because I'm not necessarily sure that God cares about food blogs. (laughs) But of course he does. What are you talking about? I think he does. I mean, I'm sure he likes to eat. (laughs) Well, and it helps helps the rest of us, Megan. Come on. Actually, not sure that God does eat, but this is a completely unnecessary yes, tangent. Whole <laughs> but I think He enjoys good food for the sake of banquets and feasts. Yep. Okay. Um, so I had always I grow grew up with a family of cooks. We live our life around the table. My brother is arguably the best chef and probably should be the one with the food blog, but he doesn't like to write. And it just popped into my head 
and I knew nothing about it. No, I couldn't even take a picture of the kids well without my finger in the middle of the camera. So it's funny that it was, this is where I went, but um, I started Beauty from Burnt Toast, prayed about it with a few of my people. Um, one of my friends picked out the scripture, Isaiah 61, one through three, talks about restoring a crown of beauty from ashes, which is where Beauty from Burnt Toast comes from. And I started it with no real plan. I thought I'd talk more about food than I do. I actually talk more about life and then throw a recipe in. And it just grew. Um, it was really fun to watch it unfold. And once again, it was all God, all God. And we are thrilled that you became more than just a food blogger, that you became a full-fledged writer and then joined our team at the Grit and Grace Project, first as a writer, and then brought you in full on, didn't we, girl? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Trial by fire. No, I I found Grit and Grace because of Beauty from Burnt Toast. And once again, it segued. I did not necessarily feel qualified, but I saw that you had pitched for writers and I submitted a piece I had written about my son, which is, you can still search it. It's on, on Grit and Grace. And we'll put it in the show notes. We'll make it easy yes, we And the rest is history. I, I think that we speak here at Grit and Grace to women in all seasons of life. And it hit me at just the perfect time. I was searching, I'm sure, for grace because I was searching for grace for myself. And when I found you all, I felt like I had found a home for my voice. And I think a lot of people feel that way. That's been the purpose of the Grit and Grace Project and this Grit and Grace Life is to build a community of women who really support one another and encourage one another. And Megan, I'm glad that you found us because I think you have brought a really great voice to what we do. I was actually looking at your author page, Megan, before we started recording to try to be very professional as an interviewer on a podcast, <laughs> even <laughs> with my friend. Um, but I, I just think it's so interesting. And as we've gotten to hear your story kind of unpacked a little bit more, if you look at the articles you've written for the site, they vary so much from motherhood to recipes to how to get ahead in the corporate world to you know struggling in your faith and defining who you are. And I just love that that's exactly what we, that's what we want to do here at the Grit and Grace Project. We're saying this is what a woman's life looks like. These are the questions we're struggling with day in and day out. And I think the question we've really asked today is what defines a woman? And we're not going to be able to answer that in one episode because it's a question we keep asking ourselves over and over through all of our Grit and Grace life. But the goal is that we would actually be able to find the answers to that question in our faith, and in the community of women we do our life with. So before we go, Megan, um, I, wanna, I want you to pitch something to our listeners. Can you give us two pieces of advice that would help us through the transitions that we all face? I mean, the big thing through my story, if you can tell, is change. I think that we get very afraid of change, it's not comfortable. It's scary. And it can be really hard. But I don't think change is ever bad. Even if it's dramatic and painful, and even if it's because you messed up royally, mm. it's often, almost always required for you to get where you're supposed to be. 
it's messy sometimes. I'm not proud of parts of my story, but it got me here. So I don't have any regrets. I know one of the quotes we've actually shared at the Grit and Grace Project is says, everyone has a chapter in their story that they don't read out loud. So you're not alone in having, you know, seasons of your life that you wish you could have done differently and yet you've still learned from them. And so I think that there's grace even for that. What's your other piece of advice for us, Megan? Ooh, um, it's about how we define ourselves. The one constant through all of my I don't like calling them failures, but let's just go ahead and call them failures Mm -hmm. that led me here is that I was looking for outside influences, people, jobs, other things to tell me who I was. I did not know what defined me. And that's really shaky ground. We give our power away when we start letting other people define us. Like you said, Julie, I think I had to get on the firm foundation of being defined by my faith, being defined by my gifts, by who I am in the Lord in order to be able to step out and live the life I was supposed to be living. And so I think we need to be really strong. And like you said, there's, We might never answer that. We're not going to answer it in one podcast or one article, but we are not defined by what we do, no matter what it is. I'm actually going to link in the show notes an article written by the Darlene Rock called How Do I Know What Defines Me? Because again, this is a question I think that we will continue to ask ourselves and we need to give ourselves grace if we need to continue to ask it. But you know what else I want to put in the show notes, Megan, is how can our friends follow you and get to your entire list of articles at the Grit and Grace Project? All right, but you know what else I want to put in the show notes is links to how our friends can now follow you. I'm sure they're going to want to follow your Instagram, especially if they're hungry or even if they're not hungry. I mean, when I look at your page, I just want to eat all of your things. Um, (laughs) So I want you to tell them how to follow you on Instagram, but then tell them how they can get to your food blog. And of course, we'll also link to your author page over at the Grit and Grace Project. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, come if you're hungry or maybe not because you're (laughs) going to want to make everything. But on Instagram, I'm Beauty from Burnt Toast, and I share all sorts of things over there. Like Julie said, it's not just recipes, but I do try and kind of whet your appetite for some simple recipes. And then you can find me on my blog at beautyfromburnttoast.com. Megan, it has been a delight to have you in this other format. We, we love sharing life with you everywhere else, but today I've been thrilled with the conversation we have. So no matter where you are in life, whether you're full-time outside of the home, full-time in the home, somewhere in between, or just trying to figure it out, we want to encourage you here at This Great and Grace Life that it's really about you first, finding your self-worth. Who are you? Then you'll figure out what it is you're supposed to do. Megan, you are a joy, and talking to you on the show was a joy. So thank you so, so much. Thank you guys for having me. I'm so excited that I get to share life with you, but sharing this part of your life was really fun too. So I wonder if our regular listeners by now have kind of figured out the formula and are expecting that we will end this episode with a quote from Megan. She said, My prayer for women everywhere is that we stop wasting time trying to fit in and striving to prove that we belong, but instead we move forward just being, because fitting in is overrated, but being real is everything. 
So here's to another week of just being who you are with grit and grace. Thanks for listening to another episode of this Grit and Grace Life podcast brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project online magazine. Whether you're listening in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or streaming the show, be sure to take a couple moments to subscribe, rate, and review so you never miss the next episode. You can also share the show with a friend you think might enjoy living a Grit and Grace life with us. Every week we share all the details on everything we discuss in the episode at thegritandgraceproject.org. We'll catch you on the next one.